Hello to everyone tuning into the Highly Optimized podcast today. My name is Ryan Sprague, and throughout this podcast, I will be showcasing individuals who are living a life beat to their own drum, sharing their stories, and revealing their valuable information for each one of you listeners on how you can effectively take life into your own control, what steps to take to create your own path, and how to maximize your results in manifesting your dreams in this reality. Today's guest is someone who I consider one of my closest friends and someone who consistently motivates me to be my best self through inspiring action. He is an avid martial arts fanatic, having taken training in various different forms from a very young age, a big proponent of big medicines, including cannabis, which is the field he's been working in for the last three and a half years, and someone who works tirelessly to educate himself on anything and everything he can find that will get him closer to reaching his goals. His newest endeavor, the Martial Cannabis, not only seeks to educate individuals on the importance of cannabis use being allowed in contact sports such as MMA, but also serves as a community for passionate fighters and cannabis enthusiasts alike. Please help me in welcoming my man, Ryan Reed, to the show. Hey, thank you. It's an honor, brother. Absolutely, Such an man. Honor. Yeah. And um, so I knew, you know, I've known you for quite a while now, but I wanted you to be able to tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how you got started on your journey. Definitely. So um, with the Marshall Cannabis, the whole idea behind it was just to find, uh, you know, I knew I was passionate about martial arts and cannabis, but during my whole life, I've kind of jumped from things. I, I, I like, I'm in a hip hop scene, so I'd jump from rap and put all my effort into that. And then I'd switch to martial arts and train for months at a time, years at a time. And then I'd go back to rap. And then, then I got into cannabis. And I was trying to find a way to kind of like uh, be more consistent with, with all of it, you know. So I, I came up with the, the idea of the martial cannabis almost about, two, I'd say about two years ago, March 2018. So nice. we're coming up on that right now, about the anniversary <laughs> oh, yeah. and everything. Congrats. <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you. So uh, martial arts and cannabis, my two passions, um, my backgrounds in both. Uh, as far as martial arts, I've been training since I was like six. So my grandfather is a seventh-degree black belt in Weijiru Karate, which is a original form of karate from Okinawa, Japan. It was started in like 1906 by Master Weiji. Um, so I started doing karate at age six. And then I started doing wrestling in middle school, about sixth grade, seventh grade. Um, I blew up my ACL oh. and, uh, <laughs> trying to lift one of my friends who was a heavyweight on the team, and my knee just went. So I, uh, I couldn't wrestle until my sophomore year. Picked up wrestling sophomore year at uh, Barnstable High School because I moved down the Cape at that point. Uh, did sophomore year, junior year, senior year. Senior year, I was captain out in Worcester uh, on the citywide team. And then um, from there, I just did, like, more stuff, boxing at uh, Camp Get Right Boxing Gym out in Worcester. Um, got into some MMA down there. And um, that's really when my, my passion for martial arts started to really grow. And I'm watching UFC, every event, everything. I'm just a fanatic about it, you know. Uh, so then I got into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, moved down to the Cape again, and then started training with the uh, Daniel Gracie Academy, um, and now it's Junico and Hyannis. Um, but from there, yeah, Muay Thai, a little bit of Muay Thai, and then just studying stuff. I've got so many books and DVDs, and just 
I know you've given it, me books know. before on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's. Uh, I really am going to start eventually. I swear. <laughs> we will, dude. You're, you're long, lanky Muay Thai would be great for you. I'm yeah, telling yeah, I've been looking be... into it for a while now. <laughs> Seriously. Um, and I know you mentioned your grandfather. I know he was a big influence on you. Can you talk a little bit more about his past too? Because I know, like you were saying, he's a seventh degree black belt, yeah. and he has an amazing history. I know you guys made that Wheaties ad together, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Which has like a million views or something. Um, like yeah, it's coming up to it. It's yeah. between like last time I checked, it was between like eight hundred thousand and a million views. That's amazing. Yeah. Highest grossing video that Wheaties has posted on the internet. That's incredible. Um, they gave him his own commemorative box, uh, That's which awesome. is just, it's dope to look at seeing your own grandfather on like a Wheaties box and like yeah. karate gi and everything. True. Yeah. Um, so my grandfather, um, James C. Hawkins, he's a uh, he's a huge inspiration in my life, um, and he's also a major point of why I got it started with the cannabis thing as well. Uh, a little background on him. Like I said, seventh degree black belt in karate. He's a Korean War veteran. Uh, he was a substitute teacher. He was uh, heading a lot of the locations out in, in Cambridge for Polaroid back in their their you know peak time of business. And yeah, the man's done out so much. And on top of all that, he's had a few bouts with cancer. Yeah. And um, you know, he he had a cancerous sarcoma in his leg. So it's just basically this big cancerous tumor that was on his uh like the inside of his thigh area. And um they had to do surgery on it like I think three times or something. And then one night his his doctor called him and was just like, "Hey, uh, you know, last follow-up, we saw this this fragment of something and uh we want to go back in and do surgery." I was like, I'm listening to him because every phone call he has is always on speakerphone. So I'm like, I'm listening to this conversation. I'm like, damn, you just had three surgeries and they couldn't get rid of it. You know, they did radiation and all this stuff. And now at this time, I'm starting to learn about what cannabis can do mm-hmm. as far as, you know, helping people with cancer. And um, I, had, I had started taking an online course through the CTU, Cannabis Training University, or whatever it was. And um, yeah, I'd, I'm just listening to him. And I'm like, you know what? Let me try to sell them on the fact that cannabis might be a better option. That way, they don't have to do surgery. Every time they did it, they told them he might not be able to walk. This is a guy that was still at 80 years old getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning and doing karate in the living room, (laughs) you know, and they're going to tell him that he might not be able to walk again. Like, BS, you know, like, we got to get you on the cannabis oil. Yeah. That's, uh, that was really pretty much a start to the the whole education for me on on cannabis. That's awesome, man. Yeah. It's so incredible, too, because I know you and I, you know, we both worked in a dispensary together, you know, for a good year and change. And um, I know over that time that, you know, I had already known the healing benefits of cannabis. I'm sure, you know, you did, too, from your grandfather. But, you know, until you see it in person time after time and you really start realizing, wow, there are actually people that have severe diseases that really do depend on this. And you see it physically. Mm -hmm. It's different than just reading it online. Could you talk a little bit about, you know, your experience in the dispensary and maybe how that shaped going into the Marshall Cannabis in terms of, like, just dedicating your life to plant medicines? Definitely. So working in the dispensary, that was my first job in the cannabis industry. Prior to that, I had done four online courses and then also went to Northeastern Institute of Cannabis when that was open back in, in Natick. Um, Rest Yes, recipes, and I say, oh, my God, what a wild ending that was. Um, But, yeah, so I had nine certificates of education and training, applied to Ermont, got into Ermont. We were part of the OG team. Mm -hmm. Shout out to the OGs at Ermont. Um, And and just, like, seeing all these patients, the the wide variety of people that would come in there for different sort of 
ailments, every single walk of life, you know, in, in the interactions that you'd see between people, um, just in line and everything, it's just, it was, it was revolutionary in, in my life as far as understanding, you know, how cannabis not only helps people medically, but brings us all together. Yeah. You know, like a big part of what you're doing and what I'm doing ha- are centered at the heart of it is cannabis, yeah. you know, and community and community. Yeah. So, um, just h- helping people and passing on that education to how they can help themselves with cannabis and keeping up and learning about it and everything. That's really, um, that, that drove me into wanting to educate the martial arts community, mm-hmm. my other passionate side on cannabis. That's awesome. Know? And I know like for every entrepreneur, you know, I think there's n- in my opinion, almost nothing more important than mindset. So how much do you think mindset plays into you reaching your dreams, goals, and aspirations? Mindset, I want to say, is almost everything, mm-hmm. you know, because mind to matter is a true thing. And yeah. belief in yourself is a catalyst for bringing forth mind to matter. If you don't have belief and conviction and a strong emotional attachment to what you're doing, it may never come to fruition because it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, you have to believe in, in, in the cause and what you're doing. Um, yeah. No, yeah. it's uh, absolutely true. And I think that just believing in something, like you were saying, is not enough. You have to be able to take that action, too. And that all right. comes down to mindset for me as well. And it's one thing that, you know, has allowed me to start Highly Optimized. It's allowed me to start other ventures. And for a long time, you know, things were just pipe dreams. And it was hard to actually put them into reality. You yeah, know? So, definitely. you know, changing, you know, your mindset really is a, you know, a huge factor in that. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. And do you think that starting martial arts at a young age and working hard to gain those skills from a young age has helped you cultivate grit slash staying power through the rest of your life? Um, to a degree, yes. Uh, definitely has given me a, a different way of life as far as, like, I, I walk around with ease. You know, I don't – things don't bother me. I, I try not to let um, situations where there's adversity or people that might be uh, out of control or, you know – just not in the right mindset. I, I don't let those sort of people or interactions bother me. And I feel like a lot of that is because of martial arts. Um, when situations where it, the grit comes in, when the, the, there's just, you know, an extreme energy against you, um, you know, it, it helps to stay cool, calm, and collected yeah. a lot. Um, keeping focus uh, has always been a struggle of mine because I've I have a, I was diagnosed with ADHD. It's not who I am, it's, but it it definitely does affect me to a degree. I feel like martial arts, um, especially when I'm training more consistently, focus comes back. It's, it's it's there a lot more, and I can feel the difference. Yeah, and you know, it's I can imagine that with martial arts, what you're doing is you're kind of training your sympathetic nervous system because I know like whenever a stressful situation presents itself the first thing we all want to do is jump in a fight or flight, you right. know? So you've been training yourself in a fight scenario to be calm, cool, collected, and confident, which right. is a huge aspect to being able to bring that out in the world. Yeah. I mean, if you can bring that calm, cool collection out into the world, into, you know, any situation you're dealing with at work or whatever, and you can relax that sympathetic nervous system and say parasympathetic, it makes all the difference in the world. It, it really does, and I, I like what you said there, even at places like work, because I, I find that's where you know, I spend most of my time, so that's where it comes out the most. Yeah. You know, you when you're dealing with patients and you're dealing with people from all different walks of life in a, in a public setting, um, you get people who are just having a bad day or they, they're having a bad life. You know, they're not everybody kind of walks around with the same mindset and stuff. So it, it helps to be able to defuse situations. Um, that fight or flight 
uh, doesn't really kick in when you as much when you know how to handle yourself and also how to help others handle themselves. Yeah, you can kind of sway the situation and, and control it without having to fight anybody or run away mm-hmm. in an extreme scenario. And it's also like you know when you're doing that, you're actually allowing yourself to be the observer behind the thoughts. You know because we mm. are not our thoughts. You know right. our thoughts are just really a collection of what we're bringing in at that time. You know. Tr- pretty much composed of our vibrational energy. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to actually be the observer behind the thoughts and actually witness your thoughts go by and, you know, decide whether you're going to engage with them, that brings a whole different energy to any scenario in your life. Right, right. Now, was there a pivotal moment that you can remember deciding that martial arts was going to be the activity you put the most effort into or a time where you knew you wanted to make it possibly into a career? Uh, So, let's see. I've... Growing up as a kid, like, I was always into contact sports and stuff. I, I, before I got into martial arts as much, I would do, like, a little bit of training with my grandfather from, like, six, seven, eight, nine, whatever. Um, you know, some of the teachings I stuck. Others weren't so much, you know. Uh, but I was into pro wrestling before anything boxing or MMA really piqued my attention. Um and I wanted to originally be a professional wrestler when I was little. And we then when did, I, right? <laughs> yeah, right, we all did. I, <laughs> I, I was the kid who was jumping off of the couch, like everybody, you know, don't try this at home. I'm like, yeah, right, not yeah. for, yeah, who's <laughs> not going to try this at home? You know, it's probably giving myself way too much damage than I needed to. But um, as I got into, I'd say, high school or so, I, um, that's when I had my first real, like, fight was in high school. My first fight in high school, I lost. I got my, my ass kicked like I, I I got dropped I was bloodied up my nose was all busted it was just it was bad and I think that also was part of a catalyst to me going more into martial arts I was like I am never gonna let anybody do that to me again yeah like that this is not happening you had a strong why right exactly <laughs> so so that piqued me in my interest in martial arts started watching UFC you know like everybody starting out try to just copy what I was seeing on TV had a heavy bag in the basement I would hit that and, and you know had a little fight clip going in my basement for a little while with all the, the friends of mine and you stuff. didn't talk about it though, right no yeah, ever yeah, yeah. oh, now I am damn it I broke <laughs> the fight club rule um <laughs> but uh yeah and i i started really doing the mma training and stuff and wanting to be a fighter more my like junior senior year um actually i was <laughs> i was failing junior year down the cape and uh that was on the wrestling team i was watching mma i was trying to, to get into the training and stuff and basically it was a point where they were like hey if you want to stay in this school, you're going to get held back this year. But I had the chance to go to a different school and live with my mother at the time in Worcester. And they would give me a work credit so that I'd be able to go on to the next grade. So I went out there. I started training MMA and everything. And my whole mindset was just like, I don't really like school. I just want to be a fighter. And, um, you know, it's I, I haven't fought because of some injuries that I've had. My knees really aren't aren't good. Well, you know, um, knees are knees, knees are definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and when it comes to sports where you can get kicked in a leg, it's not really the smartest thing to do. Um, I, I have had some concussions and whatnot, but it's uh, I, I want to educate people on how to heal from this sort of stuff. You know, I figured, how can I try to make this into a life passion, a, a life work and, and also, you know, make money at it? But not take that sort of damage, you know, and not put myself at risk in a way that I don't need to. And that's why martial cannabis is something that I feel will be that route 
versus having to climb into a cage or into the ring and, and just fight people for money. Yeah. Um, no, it's very true. And I think that, you know, with any contact sport like that, there's so much risk for injury right. and there's so much risk for, I mean, we're seeing a lot about CTE right now and football. And I believe, was it, I think it was the NFL that just started allowing cannabis use, which is yeah. amazing. A lot of the, the sports organizations, governing bodies for uh, anti-doping agency and stuff like that, USADA and whatnot, they're, they're making their levels for testing a much higher range. That way, um, you know, in the off season or before season or, or outside of the, the game itself, they could use cannabis as, as they want. Um, you know, CBD kind of opened the door for that. Uh, but now they're seeing where there's so much legalization in the States and in the world, you know, that it, it isn't really a performance enhancer. It's, it's funny. The topic of that, of cannabis being a performance enhancer is really tricky because I, at times I feel like it can be, with recovery, a, yeah. with recovery in a, in a mental set, because when I'm training and I'm working out and I get in the flow state, cannabis helps me enter that flow state where I'm reacting almost better in a lot of circumstances. But there's also times if you you overdo it with the cannabis, you're not going to be reacting good. So then it, it could go the opposite way. You have the law of diminishing returns coming in there. Uh, so the is it a PED? It's it's really hard to tell. Yeah. Know? Uh, and um, has UFC allowed that yet? So in the UFC, there are a, a bunch of fighters that do use cannabis. Um, and at one point, I think Joe Rogan said, like, more than half the people are using cannabis. And I think even Dana White, the president of the UFC, has commented on it. Um, I know CBD oil and stuff, there, there's no issues with that. Um, THC, they're becoming more and more lenient on each year that goes by, you know, allowing more of the levels to go up and whatnot. Um, you know, Nate Diaz and the, his brother, Nick Diaz, or those guys, they just, they don't care. They just do whatever they want. You know, in the early days, they get their, you know, their, uh, wins and stuff, or they, you know, overturned or whatever, because they've got cannabis in their system in the post fight, uh, you know, drug test. And, you know, they're, this, it, I think one day it's going to be completely legal in, in, in all sports. I think that day is going to come within the next five, ten years where, where athletes are going to be able to openly use cannabis and maybe other some plant medicines. You never yeah. know, right? Yeah. And I think we're actually going to look back at this time as one of the most ridiculous things. Like, wait, you guys were taking head trauma and you weren't allowed, allowed to use CBD and cannabis right. in general? I think it's going to almost be like kind of a sin. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Because, I mean, you think about how many uh, of these athletes – get addicted to opiates and painkillers you know at football and mma and and all these contact sports these guys so many of them have ruined their careers because of opioid use yeah and uh it's it would be smarter to just allow cannabis especially for that recovery and and as a medical treatment an alternative to the opiates yeah and jumping back to skills you know especially in entrepreneurship besides grit what other skills do you think are essential in life if someone is to reach not only their potential, but also true happiness, which is the real goal? That is a very good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> so as far as skills, um, I think one thing that I've, I've noticed a lot lately in my life, especially over the last like five years or so, is, is the ability to be able to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, I find that that you know, taking that risk and being vulnerable and not having to worry so much about what others think or comparing yourself to everybody around you or obsessing about things, um, you know, being able to just open up and be yourself. That's something that I find, especially in entrepreneurship, 
um, is a major thing. Like I, I was talking about this with my sister last night. Like we are ourselves authentically 100 percent. You know, you are too. I see it with you. Like, and that's why I think we get along so much is because I I look for that in other people, that authenticity, that genuine spirit, being able to look somebody in their eyes and just see that there there isn't a front, there's no facade, there's no walls that yeah. they need to put up. Um, so I, if I could stress anything, it would be just authentically be yourself 10,000%. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because vulnerability has often been looked at as a sign of weakness, but if you really right. think of it, it's like the ultimate sign of strength because it, you're, you know, you're pretty much saying to the world that you don't care if anyone knows exactly what is going on with you right. and you're not worried about being a little, you know, like just vulnerable and out in the open about things. Yeah. I know some of my other ones are like, you know, communication initiative, leadership is always super important, but all of those things take being able to be vulnerable being able to be because, vulnerable, yeah. you know, there's so many entrepreneurs that have an ego up. And they want to do everything themselves, and they don't want to ask for help, mm. and they burn out quickly, you know? So I think that's an extremely good skill. Right. It, t- it takes less energy to be yourself and be vulnerable, you know? Yeah. It really does. <laughs> and I know that you're big into education like I am. What are your views on college as a whole compared to some of the new online education systems that you and I employ regularly to acquire new skills? Do you see the traditional model of education changing more and more as the years go on? A hundred percent. It has to. Yeah. It has to because now the amount of free, even free education on the internet right now is absurd, you know, to not use to the, the best utilization as you can, you know. So, like, I think a lot of my education has come post-structured school. You know, I, I tried to do college, even online college, and it, it was still too structured for me to really uh, get the most out of it. I'm somebody who learns auditory and visual. So watching things and being able to take things at my own pace, it benefits me a lot more than having, hey, this is your deadline. Hey, this is your grade. This is this, is this like structured, real set rules and stuff. Um, I, I do think that uh, technology, educational technology, is, is the future of education. I yeah. think these online courses are great, um, you know, trying to make online courses, you're trying to make yeah. online courses, my <laughs> sister makes online courses, and it, it, it just, it's, I find it to be the easiest form of really learning and, and retaining, because you can go back to it, you know, this isn't just like, hey, if you miss a day at school, you might not get the lesson, Yeah, right? It's very true, and I also feel like, you know, having gone to college and, you know, done the whole thing myself, I can tell you that I went to college for, you know, four years for psychology, but I only actually studied psychology for a year and a half because the rest were gen eds, you know, right. general requirements. And I think that's so ridiculous because I feel like if I'm paying 20 grand a year, mm-hmm. I should pick exactly what I want to take. I mean, do you right. go to your accountant for psychology work? I don't go to my, you know, like I, it's crazy that we're trying to make everyone so normalized and in the middle, you know, mediocre at a bunch of different things. When I feel like if you just go at one thing and you put all your focus and energy there, I mean, it's funny, you know, that's what every entrepreneur is told to do. But the college that takes them to entrepreneurship is like, no, no, we got to make sure you know a little bit of everything. And it's like, yeah. but why don't we just do the same thing the whole time, you know? I feel like a lot of us come right from grade school, too, where we just learned a lot of those gen eds for 12 yeah. years. <laughs> and no, so, no, you got to continue. These, <laughs> these are working towards your credits for your degree that's not a gen ed degree. Yeah, it seems almost like more of a checklist than actually like, well, are you actually concerned with what I'm learning? Or are you more concerned with just putting a check mark next to these random boxes that right. one person decided they're important? You yeah. Know? That's that, You hit the nail right on the head with that one. <laughs> Seriously. Well, it's funny because, 
you know, education, like I was saying, you know, is so big for both of us. And I know, like, looking back at college now, I mean, I knew it was pretty ridiculous when I took it, but I didn't really know any other way. And now looking at what is available through, like, places like Skillshare and just YouTube. And, I mean, I learn so much every day about everything I'm doing now and just anything I want to learn about. I was learning about, you know, river pirates and, I don't know, in, like, Serbia last night. You know, and it's just like... <laughs> Gotta love vice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's so many things out there, but it's like... You know, I think that we're all try to be, we all try to, or we are all are pretty much compartmentalized through our life. They try to compartmentalize us, mm-hmm. you know, and make us into pretty much factory workers, you know. That's, I mean, that's why we answer the bells. It's why all this stuff, it's pretty old school. But, like, yeah. I think that the more that we go into this technological age, the more we're going to see actually some more insight put into education. And I think we're already starting to see that. Oh, definitely, definitely. And technology is going to be a huge piece of that, yeah. huge piece. So when was the first time you tried cannabis, and did you know right away that you were lied to by the you know powers that be regarding the dangers of it? First time I tried cannabis, I was age 14. I uh, got peer pressured into it. Um, prior to that, I had, I don't even think, no, I probably had alcohol. I'd had alcohol, and I think I'd smoked a few cigarettes or something like that, but tried cannabis at 14, and, uh, and I was like, this isn't as wild as I thought like all the the propaganda against it makes it seem like this thing is like oh you're gonna get messed up you're gonna be like so out of it and you're gonna (laughs) the stupid anti-drug commercials where people like slumped into a couch folded like a a laundry like dogs are talking to them and stuff but (laughs) none of that happened you know I was just I felt good I felt a piece of you know uh, well-being a sense of well-being and it really made me feel happy and joyful. I was I was jumping around, I was happy, it was a sunny day, summertime, and I was outside with my friends. We went for a walk all over the town. It was just good, you know? And then uh, I, I really, the first time I, I felt the medical aspect of it was, um, I think it was about 15 years old, I got Lyme disease. I got bit by a tick and I got Lyme disease. And uh, they had caught it late. My knees were swelling up to the size of grapefruits. And they gave me, I think, Vicodin and, uh, and then the antibiotics. The Vicodin was for the pain, antibiotics to try to kick it out of the system. And um, I, I couldn't go to school. I couldn't go upstairs when I even returned to school. It was just bad. Like, couldn't really walk around much. Um, and my friend came over one day, and he was like, hey, dude, you, you want to smoke some weed? And I was just like, yeah, like, I'll definitely. Like, I, at that time, I tried it dozens of times, but I, I never knew what it could do, you know? And uh, I smoked it, and I remember feeling this sense. I'm just, I realized, I'm like, wait, the swelling in my knees has gone down. I feel like I can walk again, and I am walking, and I feel happy and, and joyful and good and euphoric. I literally, at that day, I walked outside and went down to the park and hung out with my friends for like two hours until the weed started to wear off. And I felt the pain coming back and stuff again. But you know, I didn't realize at the time that it was a medical effect that I had just experienced. But looking back, it's like that was the first time I really had the medical aspect of cannabis. That's really cool. And it's funny because I interviewed Andrew D'Angelo, Steve's brother, uh, last week, which was so much fun. Amazing. And yeah, Amazing. and he brought up a really good point, which was the first time he tried cannabis, his mind felt calm, you know? Mm. And that was something that I had honestly forgotten that it did for me for the first time I tried it, was that... 
I had lived with anxiety most of my life, but didn't even really know how to quantify what anxiety was at that point. Right. It wasn't until I tried cannabis the first time where I just went inside and played guitar for like seven hours. And I was just like, wow, I am so like, I mean, at this point I can look back and say this, I was so present. Mm. And really I didn't even know what presence was. Because again, especially you know when we were kids, it's you know presence was kind of like what even is that? You know? Right. So, I mean, all these ideas wasn't even in our vocabulary. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I know one of the educational certificates you received was in cannabis. Can you speak to this and how it assisted in catalysting your career in the cannabis field as a whole? Yeah. So th- there's, uh, I started with CTU, which was Cannabis Training University. Um, that was kind of like that's what I like to say. It's my least favorite certificate. Because, at least when I took it back then, they probably have changed it and made it better. So I can't talk any bad, anything bad about them or the company. But um, it was very stoner esque. Uh, it had Rasta and you know reggae music and do 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 like behind every slide that they would show, they had this music that just kept going on and on and on. Um, but I did the CTU and I did CTI, Cannabis Training Institute, which I found was a lot better because that was my dispensary technician training certificate. So I did that. And then a branch off, they have a uh, connection to the Medical Institute of Cannabis uh, or Medical Cannabis Institute. I always mess it up. Um, but that one was a postgraduate Institute of Medicine accredited course for nurses. So that gave me so much information as far as how this works medicinally. And that's really when my mind was blown. I was like, oh, my God. Like, it got down to, like, the synapse and all the things and the different chemical reactions in the body. And it it was just very thorough. And um, I think after that one, I did one from MMJ United, which is down in Florida. And that one had, like, a lot of really good information for, like, growing and stuff. And they had, like, the general course, the history and all that. Um, and then NIC, of course, back when that was open, attended those classes, did that. Never ended up getting my certificate for that one. Oh, Ugh, like a lot of people didn't, but uh, it was a good experience nonetheless. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I've met so many people that were part of NIC recently. Mm. And, uh, it's you know, it's it's awesome because, you know, it might have shut down the way it did, but it did give rise to a lot of cannabis professionals like yourself that are did. now a- able to educate people on various different subjects and so you know even if it might have ended bad it's you know it's a great uh it was a great opportunity definitely to it was great it was it was you know one of the first few in the state that had uh you know popped up for cannabis education to try to make people um ready for the the market that was emerging i mean back then there wasn't even 10 dispensaries open in the state yeah Ermont was what number eight number seven number seven yeah. number seven yeah. so it it's like it got me ready to be one of those first 10 founding dispensaries yeah so yeah, and it was it's it crazy was. because thinking back to then, I mean, man, you know, we used to see so many patients a day, you know, and it's it's definitely changed a lot now, and you know, a lot of just a lot of things have changed now, and I know that knowing how big of a proponent of psychedelic medicine you are, what are your thoughts on all the amazing research currently coming out regarding their efficacy in treating diseases such as anxiety, depression, and PTSD? Over the last, let's see, what I, I met you back in two thousand seventeen. Uh, 16, 2016. 16, yep. you're right, October yep. 16. Yep. Um, and then I started taking them, I think, probably back in 2016. Yeah. I got my first mushrooms. You, you put me on to mushrooms. I knew about them, I knew, yeah, yeah. but I didn't know it's as much this. of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that's coming out as far as like what they can do for anxiety, depression, and PTSD, and all that stuff. Um, they've been pivotal in my life, dude. Like, Same a, here. to anybody who's going through a lot of 
mental distress and you know, or they feel lost or they feel suicidal or they feel just this, this anxiety every day. Um, you know, gratefully, I, I wasn't at that point, mm-hmm. but I definitely had my days, you know, and uh, psychedelics have helped me to not have any anxiety, any dark thoughts, any real depression phases that are prolonged or suicidal thoughts or any of that stuff for the last few years of my life, you know, and really have been able to keep it at bay by using it, um, by using psychedelics in a responsible manner, mm-hmm. um, educating myself on what they're doing for me and using it for a purpose, not just to get messed up or trippy, man, yeah, you know, yeah, like, a party drug. right. Yeah. When you actually use these things as tools and as medicine, as they're supposed to be used, um, you know, whether it be mushrooms, MDMA, uh, DMT, mm-hmm. uh, any of that stuff, it, it can have prolonged effects where your your quality of life dramatically increases. Yeah. And that's what I've experienced with psychedelics from my own personal journey. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because I had started experimenting with psychedelics a couple of years before my dad passed. But it was it wasn't until my dad passed that I realized how much of an impact they had made on me mm-hmm. because... You know, I'm, of course, when parents pass away, it's extremely, you know, disheartening, extremely, you know, upsetting, but I really wasn't that upset about it. I mean, right. of course, it, you know, I was, it was sad, but I, I think I understood by that point that, you know, this life is, you know, not all there is. Right. And I think psychedelics were a huge, huge part of me understanding that and realizing that. So that was really, uh, you know, a pivotal moment for me when I realized like, wow, this is actually doing something really crazy, you know? And from there, I started getting a lot into the research and actually, Rachel and I went to a psychi- psychedelic integration meetup last weekend in uh, Somerville, which was amazing. Um, and it was just people coming together and sharing their stories and, you know, really sharing. You know, I mean, one guy there had severe PTSD from a lot of different things in life and, you know, had gone through um, a lot of ayahuasca sessions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, you know, the layers of the onion keep coming off. But, yeah. you know, he was able to help other people now, other veterans. He was a veteran. Uh, and it was just, you know, it's incredible to see. You know, and I think that now the great thing is that when we talk about things like this, you know, it's really hard for people to try to, you know, combat us because I can say, actually, look at what John Hopkins is doing in mm. Yale and, you know, Harvard. And everyone understands those schools are very prestigious. I mean, I believe it was Yale that just, you know, donated like a $10 million to psychedelic yeah. research. So there's a lot of good going on in that realm right now. Yeah. And, it's just and the, the FDA is looking at it, you know, as, as PTSD anxiety treatments. And it, it's the world is opening up to plant medicines as a whole and the theogens and they're all this stuff. They're, they're coming back because, yeah. you know, that's the roots and history repeats itself. And for the majority of history, plants were medicine and yes. still are to this time. It's just having a resurgence because people are realizing how much issues come about with the pharmaceutical drugs, how much money goes out into these pharmaceutical drugs, the greed, the corruption, all of it, how it influences our government, and, and it's just, it's a mess. Yeah. And when people start to open up, and psychedelics help us open up as a community, you know, our collective consciousness is becoming more and more, uh, you know, back evolved, evolved and, and, and as that's happening, we're returning to these, these plant medicines, we're returning to how nature intended for us to deal with trauma and deal with certain things, and, and things going on with our mind, body, spirit. Yeah, and... I think we're getting our symbiotic relationship with nature back because yeah. I feel like 
as a society, we've never been, you know, farther away from true human nature. Yeah. And I think that re- realizing that we are a part of this ecosystem, you know, we're not separate from it, has right. been so pivotal. Pivotal. We like to think that life. we rule it, though. Yes, exactly. You know, and that's, that's not what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And so... How important do you think true health care, not sick care, and what I mean by that is this is something that I coined a while ago where I think that, especially in Western societies, we mostly practice sick care, which is like, oh, I have an issue, now let me go to the doctor. But really, Western medicine, though it is amazing for so many things, if you have a, you know, an issue happening, if you're in a car accident, God forbid, something like that, I feel like it doesn't do a lot for preventative measures. And so how important do you think it is to make sure we're eating good quality food, we're drinking water, et cetera? The holistic approach is is the best approach to healthcare, not sick care, because like you said, sick care is just trying to keep people healthy enough to be alive and treat them with whatever medicines that you can throw at it, so that you can make more profits off of them. You know, it, it's it's sad, it's disgusting, it's evil, it's it's nasty. But when you take a holistic approach to your your health, you're really trying to take care of your entire body. And, and with that, a lot of times comes your body and your spirit and your mind. Um, so I think that approach people are becoming more and more, um, you know, into because it brings forth better results. You know, why take 20 pills to treat five different things when you can have more natural substances that aren't going to have, you know, as bad of some of the side effects? They still do. I mean, there are things that you need to learn about how to do this holistic approach, you know, realistically without, you know, with, with the most harm reduction um, as there is to anything. But uh, it's it's a better approach, in my opinion, than, than what we've currently got as the Eastern, or, I mean, Western medicine model. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned spirit. So what is the role spirituality has played in your life? Spirituality for me um, really started in my teens. Uh, I started it. As part of martial arts, too, I'd say martial arts kind of brought forth that spirit in me. I started to realize that, whoa, there's something else here. You know, like I, I never grew up a religious person. Um, most of my family is Catholic, Christian, like that that side. Uh, but I was raised agnostic, so I could choose what I wanted to be, and I didn't really know much about religion and stuff. So I kind of just went along with, oh, yeah, you know, the, the Christian Catholic model, because that's only thing I really knew about. Um, but as I became my own person and grew up and, and started evolving and kind of looking and searching out there for what what, what else is out there, um, you know, I, I dabbled with a little bit of Buddhism, Taoism, and that sort of the, the Eastern approach to religion um, as more of just like general way of life versus this is by the book, this is how you do it. Um, it, it opened me up to things like meditation and holistic health and mind-body medicine and this, these sort of things. So spirituality for me is something that I, I identify with. I'm, I'm definitely more of a spiritual person than I am a religious person. Uh, I think that the psychedelics have helped me become more of a spiritual person and find you know what else is out there and see that there's, there's more to this. And there is a mystical part that, that is deeply ingrained in, in being human or just being in yeah. general, you know, yeah. even animals and, and plants, there there is a consciousness to some degree to all of nature. Absolutely. And, um, it, it's helped me tap into that and be yeah. more unified and one with it. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's done that exact same thing for me where, again, it's made me realize that we are a part of nature. You know, mm. we don't control it or we exactly. shouldn't try to control it, you know. And um, so when did you know you wanted to be an entrepreneur and what, if anything, influenced that decision? Well, I'm not sure. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> um, I, it was more like once I came up with the Marshall Cannabis idea, I think like we've all kind of had entrepreneurial uh, spirit or tendencies. Um just hardworking, work ethic, um, wanting to learn and teach others, um, help others. That is like the reason why I feel like I'm here is to help others. Um, it, it saying more so like the entrepreneurship part of things, I'd have to say maybe when I was like 20, 21, um, and I'm turning 25 this year. So it's it's been within the last few years of my life that I've really looked into being an entrepreneur. And part of it comes from just like, you know, not not to say that I, I don't enjoy working for people because to a certain extent I do enjoy working with people and for people that, you know, when they're a good company or people that actually have values or believe in you and want to help see you uh, succeed in that company or outside of it, um, I, I wanted to do my own thing. I think when, when entrepreneurs start, they want to do their own thing. They want to be their own boss, and they go out there and try to find out, what am I passionate about? How can I help others with this? How can I educate people with this? But also, how can I monetize this to make a living off of it? Um, that's, that's really where I started with these kind of ideas and you know online courses and stuff like that, yeah. research. I know... I watched my dad be an entrepreneur, you know, most of my life, and mm. I always knew, you know, <laughs> he'd always have a saying, it's nice to be the boss, you know, and, but behind the lines, he'd always be, like, ripping his hair out, you know, because I think it was more of a mantra there's, to him. Than <laughs> there's a lot that comes with it, you yeah. know, there's so much that comes with it, and, and like, your dad kind of influenced you, a big part of my influence was my sister, because she makes her own online courses, she did blogging, podcast, all of it, and I get a wealth of experience from her that she passes on and helps me out with, so. Yeah, she's a yeah. badass. She's definitely a badass. <laughs> Shout out to Nicole Archambault and Livian Code. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, what was the biggest lesson you learned in 2019? The biggest lesson I learned in 2019? It could be about anything, entrepreneurship, spirituality, yourself. That's, oh, man. There was a lot of lessons. Let's see. It's hard to quantify them all down to one. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, I think the lessons about myself you know, identifying myself on on what things I can work on. You know, where are my shortcomings? Where am I trying to BS? Where am I, I just calling myself out on stuff and also calling others out on, on what they might be doing that, that doesn't align with me and, like, who, I'm, who I am now, who I became, who I've become. Um, I think that's really one of the biggest lessons is, is you know, that – and, and also what I'm doing with my time, trying to be more structured with my time, be more productive with my time. And, you know, I, I've realized also that, you know, the amount of education that I have is very, very useful, very important. But what am I doing with that? And, you know, sometimes we get overloaded with the intake of information and don't put the action in with everything that we're learning. It's analysis just so paralysis. much, you know, uh, exactly, yeah. analysis paralysis. I think that's something that I've really identified and I'm trying to work on, um, you know, 
that that's those are the lessons I've really been trying to focus in on this yeah. last year. <laughs> and I know for me, it was you know really respecting myself more and realizing mm-hmm. that, like you were saying, you know, I was trying to make everyone happy all the time, and I think I was coming second most of the time. Mm-hmm. And I started realizing that you know, selflessly selfishness, you know, being selflessly selfish is not a bad thing because. In order for me to be able to be 100% myself in any situation, I have to make myself come first, right. you know, and it's just understanding that I can't fill anyone's cup from an empty cup. I can only fill it with my overflowing cup, mm. and I think that trying to fill other people's cups with my empty cup was leaving me feeling very burned out, very frustrated, and very just, you know, off my axis, if you will. You yeah, know? I identify and, with that yeah. definitely big time. I think it's a big thing, you know, because I think all of us are moving so fast, we don't really give ourselves a lot of time to kind of be still and be quiet and mm. just you know have self-love yes self-love man you you gotta love yourself and and do things for yourself and help yourself so that you can optimize what you do for others yes absolutely know? because like you said when you're burnt out you, do, you don't have anything more to give you, yeah. you get you start being drained you know being around other people like like ourselves like when i get around you dude it's like a, a an energy boost it's like filling the battery you know and there's so much that goes on there's there's an energetic sort of thing and and when you are constantly giving 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 and then you get home and you're just like i want to do stuff for myself but now i'm just drained or i don't have the time or the 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 way with all yeah Yeah. to be able to do it so that is that is important i just did a post actually on battery chargers versus battery drainers you know and it's all about that i'm huge on that and actually rachel and i yesterday we were at our favorite coffee shop and they had this sweatshirt and i was like wow this is like made for us they literally had it's a full battery you Mm. know it just looked like a full battery and uh, i didn't say battery charger on it but it was still really cool you know and i thought like i was like wow that's kind of you know synchronicity which you know we see a lot of but yes (laughs) synchronicity all the time so what are your goals for the Marshall Cannabis? Where would you like to see it be in a year? I'm currently rebuilding my website. Um, I was using a different service, and now I'm, I'm doing, like, WordPress and trying to create my website and customize it right now, relaunch that. Um, you know, I've been gaining more people on social media. But what I want to do with it, I want to continue to educate people. I want to move more from the blogging and do more videos and more interactive things. Um, I want to get out in the community and actually start talking to people, interviewing people, um, going to events and shows and whatnot, and you know, speaking on panels as part of the martial arts community and a cannabis representative. I, I, feel, I find that that definitely will be an important step in the martial cannabis ev- evolution. Um, I also want to be making a, a online course to be able to help people to enter the cannabis industry. Nice. Um, the, the aim of that course is to take what knowledge and experience you already have from outside of the cannabis industry and directly apply that to what your next position could be within the cannabis industry. Uh, so I'm currently formulating that that online course. I don't have a date that it's going to be out yet. But I'll let you guys know. Don't worry. It definitely, <laughs> once, once we get that going, we'll, we'll let everybody know. Yeah. And um, so where can people find you to learn more about you and find out more about the Marshall Cannabis and anything else you're currently working on? So um, once my website's back up, we'll, we'll talk about that. But right now, uh, everybody can find me on Facebook and, and Instagram, the Marshall Cannabis, um, and then also on Medium as the Marshall Cannabis. That's where I do a lot of my, my blogging. Awesome. Yeah. And um, so what is the one thing people should start doing right now to highly optimize their life? 
one thing people should start doing right now to highly optimize their life. If you could pick just one thing. Oh, man. Why you always got to put me in with the one thing, man? <laughs> oh. Um, you know how I am, dog. <laughs> <laughs> I know. One thing that they could do to highly optimize their life, um, look inward. Mm. Look inward. That's a good one. Good you know, because when you look inward, you're going to get a lot of answers. Sometimes you're going to face stuff that you've been running from, but when we look inward, we get a lot of clarity. You know, we can see things from the inside perspective. Yeah. Because I feel like we take a lot of time listening to everybody's outside perspective. Yeah. We take too much in from the outside, and we don't cultivate enough from the inside. Yeah. So look inward. Where attention goes, energy flows. Yeah. 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 Okay, guys. So right when I started this podcast, I had a list of people I knew I had to have on, and Ryan was right at the top. Having known Ryan for quite some years now, I can tell you that he really does mean what he says and says what he means, which is becoming more and more uncommon these days. He has helped me so much in my own journey of life, and I have no doubt he will do the same for you. Reach out to him and follow him to stay up to date on all the latest things he is creating with the Marshall Cannabis, and whatever you do, keep a close eye on him as he is destined for greatness. Ryan, my brother, thank you again for coming on Highly Optimized. It was truly a pleasure, and we'll have to do a round two soon. Much love to you and all of you listening. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you, brother. (laughs) Yes. What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show. And I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, dot com, so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build-out, and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom-branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, .com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever.